are listening to the Mission Critical Podcast. Nonprofit marketing advice for the expert and novice alike, where you'll get an insider view into marketing strategy, key marketing concepts, emerging trends, and more. And now, your hosts with marketing advice so practical it dresses in layers, Billy Draper and John Path. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Mission Critical Podcast with your hosts, Billy Draper and John Patton. Billy, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing dandy. Oh, is that is that new bumper music there? <laughs> no, that's our that's our normal bumper. Really, it just it felt it felt bouncier. Maybe it's been so long. I don't know. It just felt bouncier, funkier. I turned it up. I turned it up a little bit, so it's like. It bumped just a little harder. There it is. It, it, it's it springs in the air, and the music is bouncy, just like the rab, rabbits are. That's bad. That was really bad. But I that was the quickest place I could go. So <laughs> <laughs> they do bounce. That's for sure. Uh, how's uh how's things in your world? Things going well? Things are going great. Uh, you know, it's here. Here we are in April. Um, and it's, the weather is looking nice getting back outdoors. I'm a fly fisherman, as some of you may know, and, uh, the fish are really aggressive right now. So like everything's starting to look pretty good on, uh, on my end, my son's birthday's coming up here, uh, this weekend. So, um, he'll be six and can now get a job. And so I think everything is, <laughs> is looking up. How are you? How, how are things with you? Things are okay. We just, uh, the spring is always interesting because all the year end stuff is done from last year. And now people are usually nonprofits, they kind of go lighter at the beginning of the year because their year end is such a big deal. Yep. Uh, and so they come back in and now it's like, oh, oh crap, we're, uh, we're heading into Q2 of the year and uh, we haven't really established and executed on our year plan yet. Uh, and so it's really interesting. I'm having more conversations about strategy at this point in the year than I think in any year prior. Um, and I, I do wonder if that's because people are decentralized and it's harder to build a cohesive strategy over virtual tools. But it's just, it's kind of an interesting, a lot of philosophical conversations going on right now and uh, not so many um, practical conversations. And so, you know, that's why I look forward to these podcasts is it's not just ethereal. It's not just like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if it's some real practical advice? Uh, so excited to be with you today, for sure. Wouldn't it be nice? Now I'm thinking of the Beach Boys. So that's I just went, that's playing in my head now. I'll, I'll be singing that silently during the whole podcast. That feels like a song you write in your 20s. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? And then you get older and you're like, <laughs> it would be nice to be younger. It, um, it, that song is 100% wrong. It, it would be it, nice it, to be younger. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, for sure. They they had no idea, but no one really has any clue what you're doing at that age, anyway. You know, it's it's all just. Uh, wouldn't it be nice if I was doing anything else but this? Uh, uh, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about the, the the Beach Boys and and how they, you know, maybe they now have a different opinion years later. Uh, <laughs> so mm -hmm. let's jump into it. Where do we, this is how part the perspective two has evolved. <laughs> Just a tad, <laughs> just a tad. Hey, what, speaking of perspective, you just had a birthday. How's your perspective on life here? Like, uh, what, what? You're entering a new decade. 
Yeah. No, I mean, uh, definitely. I, what I'm realizing is, uh, for me, the last decade was about uh, accumulation, and not just not just monetary, but like really trying to set myself and my family up um, for our a future. And uh, this new, I mean, I already feel it a couple days in. I it's about simplification. I am I am streamlining and simplifying my life so that I'm just focusing on the time that on the, my time and energy on the things that matter the most. Um, and that's it's a very freeing experience to be like I'm just gonna not do that. I'm gonna offload this burden because it's not worth it to me anymore. I, 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 that's, that's all. I mean, I'm three years into the decade. So, you know, I'm, I, I am still trying to work on that very thing that you just said, simplifying is, <laughs> is, I think is all about this decade here. Um, and putting your energy in the things that, that matter most. Right. And so, uh, it's, it's just super, super interesting that, uh, it's like a, a clock, right? Like you, you wake up and you're like, wait, this is different. Who knows? But anyway, happy birthday. Congratulations on, uh, on those laps around the sun. <laughs> as they say. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One day uh, I want to talk deeply about, uh, it's not a nonprofit topic, but I have a buddy that that uh, talks about what success means. And, uh, you know, it's easy to just kind of put your own kind of uh, standards on what success means. Like, oh, is it money? Is it fame? Is it for whatever? Like, but actually I find that um, it, it, I think as we get older, we want to have more of an impact and a legacy uh, which I think is why I love the nonprofit space so much is it's maybe the most uh, available vehicle to deliver impact. And so as you get to be an old fart like me, uh, you start to realize that like th- what you want to have is kind of a mark in the world to be a different and better place because you were here and nonprofits help us do that. So uh, Billy makes me excited to chat about uh, some of these nonprofit trends here. Uh, and this post-pandemic marketing world, like you mentioned, part two of our uh, our section here from the Harvard Business Review, 10 Truths About Marketing After the Pandemic. Uh, for those of you that didn't uh, weren't with us for the first part, the first uh, truths, uh, one through five, you can catch that episode. We'll put a link to it below here in our notes. But we're on uh, number six, which is uh, the old truth is relationships matter, and the new truth is relationships are everything. Interesting. I, I I think I like this, but I don't love it. I think there's some precision of language that could get improved here, because uh, ultimately that isn't true. I think it 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 depends on who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Because don't you still feel like there's certain things that are transactional and you don't really want a relationship with the brand? Yeah, I, I, everything is a big word for this for this truth. Um, relationships are critical. Uh, everything. I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a very large wrapper, <laughs> right? It's a big box to put relationships in. Yeah. I think, you know, you think about like buying on Amazon. I think your relationship with Amazon is critical, right? Uh, you have to trust that they're not going to steal your credit card and all that kind of stuff. But Ultimately, that's just a marketplace for a bunch of people who you've never met and will never meet, right? Who are going to sell stuff on Amazon. I don't, I don't care if it's like Bill's hardware supply out of uh, Georgia. Like, I, I don't really care. I just want the, the piece shipped to me. So 
Um, you know, and you get those all the time where they're like, they include like a little handwritten note, like, please give us a five-star review. Um, okay. I, I can understand what you're, what you're going for there. But I think really what it is, is in your, in your nonprofit world, are you doing things that are bi-directional? Are you doing things where you're getting feedback from your constituents and not just hammering them with new messages? That feels like what I think they're trying to get at here. It's like it's a it's a conversation. I would almost say like conversations matter more than relationships matter to me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I do think what the, the the essence of this thought and conversation is very key, right? That that implies that you're listening, right? And that you're so I think that's I think that's really probably more accurately said. Um, the relationship piece is interesting in this case because. I mean, think back to your personal life and just look in your personal life now and think about the relationships you have and think about the ones that you um, choose <laughs> to have. Let's put it that way, right? The ones that, that you prioritize over others. Why do you do that? Because there's some sort of value you get from it. I mean, right? I mean, it's not only that some of it's responsibility, yes, and but there are relationships that the ones that you choose to have, there is a bit of value in there. So I think that's what they're trying to say is that if you're creating meaning, meaningful relationships, then that is everything because we know that that creates affinity, that creates loyalty, that creates um, advocacy, that creates that what we call stickiness, right? That long time Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go through all the thick and thin together. We're gonna be there to support each other. And I think that's what I, I think that's what this is trying to say. And I think conversations, to your point, going back to that, is is much more accurate, right? So uh, relationships are critical. Conversations are everything. I think are maybe the way I would rephrase that. And I think that makes a ton of sense because you know, as the consumer gets more control of their own privacy, which is a trend we're seeing right now more than ever, which is that, um, you know, your information is, is almost like a currency, you know, like in terms of, and and before it, yeah, right, right. Absolutely. And before it was like, you know, Google and these big, uh, tech companies could collect that information and monetize it. Right. And now all of a sudden you're saying, well, no, my preferences and my, um, Willingness to be tracked by your brand is something of value that I can give to brands I trust uh, and brands that I'm in relationship with. And so I, I get that all of that is happening, but I would still say just because I give you the right to talk to me doesn't mean that you don't have to listen to what I'm saying. So that's why I think that conversation is ultimately more important than just the relationship. Maybe, maybe conversation is like implied in relationship. I don't know. Not to be persnickety, but I think the key thing here is make sure you have, when people are talking to you, make sure you're listening and make sure that you're treating their data and their preferences, you know, as sacred because it is becoming increasingly more difficult for, to get information from people. They're opting into sharing it. And if they are, if they are opting into sharing it with you, you've got to be a good custodian of that. Is that a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement. Hey, and let's just call it out. This is number six in a list of 10. So, you know, like in a movie, right? You know, in the middle part where it's like, ah, it's dragging a little bit. I don't know. Season (laughs) seven of The Office, not my favorite season. Picks up around eight though. Eight gets better. Now, you know, like, so maybe this is the idea here. That that sounds right to me, actually. Uh, well, let's let's move on then to the uh, 
to the climax uh, where, you know, the, the villain is overcome by the hero. Um, so number seven, uh, old truth. Agility is a technological or a technology process. New truth. Agility is a modern marketing approach. Um, I don't, I don't know if everyone's going to be familiar with the different like um, methodologies for development, whether it be, you know, like waterfall or agile or like all these different kind of capability or um, processes for development. But I think that the key thing here with agility to me always implies this flexibility and willingness to kind of in- incorporate new outside factors and bring those into your plan. Um, but I start to think about who are the brands, Billy, in your experience that you've seen take outside factors and respond quickly and effectively and do it well. Have you ever seen an example of that? Anything come to mind? Do you want to go nonprofit or do you want to just go brand, first brand that comes comes to mind? I think we can go first brand that comes to mind. I'm going to just say REI. Um, I, I think they represent a lifestyle, right? I, seeing them do things like, hey, we understand um, – just like the the fact that like go outside Friday, right? Rather than Black Friday, they have this thing where you go outside and that's what you're supposed to do that day and you're supposed to take that time. So I, I think like seeing brands being able to understand society, being able to understand trends and be able to say, look, we are a retail brand and we're telling you on the biggest shopping day of the year not to shop with us. And I think that's a really, really, that's being agile, right? That's being very, very in tune with things that are going on with your, you know, um, your customers, right? At the, at the, and, the, and with respect to REI. So that's the first one that came to mind. And, uh, and there's, there's plenty of others. What about you? What's, what, what comes to your mind? Well, I'm just thinking of um, uh, Zara actually is the one that comes to mind for me is, you know, you talk about agile process. Here's a clothing company that will see an article of clothing on like the MTV Music Awards, and then they will rip off that design, have it in production a couple of days later, and have it in stores a couple of weeks later. Like literally, they are the most agile company that I can think of. Um, and but like when you think that's that's a production flow, but like with marketing, you actually should be able to go even faster, right? Because you're not having to go like buy the textiles and blah blah blah. So when we think about this, I'm trying to think, you know, when there's a trend, who's really good at intercepting that trend and bringing the conversation to them? And, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Someone who's pretty solid at it actually is Taco Bell. Um, Taco Bell is pretty solid on, on the social accounts about finding a trend and making it about tacos (laughs) pretty quickly. And it works. It surprisingly works. Yeah, I mean, when you th- when you think about that, I mean, the first thing that came to my ma- mind was like South Park, right? How good they are about like yes. writing an episode I, around, yes. <laughs> just and, and doing it yeah. within a week's time, and that's genius. There, there's a bit of genius in that. I, you know, you can say what you will about South Park, but there's genius in being able to take something, condense it down to the essence of it, and then create something that's entertaining. I think the this idea, right? We, we you've you've probably heard us say this uh, a couple of I don't know a hundred times. But this is that kind of the same idea around the moments that matter. This idea that like, hey, we're going to, instead of have this calendar approach, right, to the way that we communicate and market, 
we're actually going to look at it moment by moment. We're going to identify critical moments in our customer constituent, whatever you want to call it, donor, benefactors, life cycle, or experience. We're going to make sure that we're staying on top of those and understanding those. And then in those moments, right, being able to not only communicate effectively and quickly and adequately, but also being able to say, listen, look at all the external factors around us that we can't anticipate today and how do those influence what we do? That's being agile. Um, another way to say it in the world of, of sales and consulting is being audible ready, right? Knowing, kind of anticipating, kind of understanding what could happen and being able to say, I can call an audible right now in this moment and do X, Y, and Z. So agility is part of being audible ready and all those other things. So I actually do think it's to me, it's been a modern marketing approach for a while. Um, but I think you're starting to see it become more adopted now, right? People are getting feeling more comfortable saying, we don't have an annual campaign. We're not going to do quarterly campaigns. We're actually going to do that, but it's going to be less of that and more of this that we're talking about right now. Is that what you're seeing too? Is that how you kind of feel about this? Yeah, the, abs- absolutely. I think the the planning is... Uh, for events and major moments that you're going to kind of make happen, right? It's like, I'm going to compel this moment. Mm -hmm. And so you definitely have a plan and a strategy around the things you're compelling. But then on the flip side, you have a whole entire kind of strategy, which is responsive to unanticipated moments. And so, for example, let's say that you are like the final four just ended yesterday um, and a the commercials, the primary sponsor was AT&T. And in every single commercial, it, for the most part, it's just people in the store. And they have this big disclaimer underneath. It's like, hey, this was filmed safely. That, like we didn't, you know, we checked everyone, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, this was safe. Well, if you already have the commercial baked, pre-recorded and pre-canned, and you're airing it, and it's a group of people, there was a season where that looked irresponsible. It looked like, what are you doing, right? Like you're killing everybody. And so, you know, the agility is you need to either present modern day so people can see themselves in that commercial and people couldn't see themselves in large gatherings of strangers. They just couldn't, right? So you have to be able to adapt to kind of the market conditions or you have to like very overtly say like, hey, this was filmed pre the market conditions that, that we saw now. Have you ever seen uh, a brand in crisis handle it particularly well? Have you ever seen one where you're like, wow, uh, that they did everything right? Mm, yeah, I, I think there are brands that do a good job of that. Um, I'm trying to think of the last one that I can, that I can actually think of recall. Do you, what about you? It, I mean, it's so much easier to think of the ones that have done it wrong. Right. It is. That's, um, that's <laughs> absolutely right. Um, so don't get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember it was, um, oh gosh. It, well, Robin hood is the, the one that's top of mind right now for sure. Is how to not do it. Um, but, uh, you know, I've also remember other ones where basically they would, they would tweet and they would turn off any sort of comments, turn off your ability to reply. And it was like, that's not it. Um, that's not it. Don't say something and not let people, you know, clap back uh, because that's, uh, mm, that's not having the effect you think it is. Um, you want to put a statement. That's what your website's for. 
right? Or link to it, say, come read our statement on our website. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one that, that tried to do a good job of it was the with Chipotle. You remember that whole mm. big thing that fell out? Yeah. Um, I think they tried to do a good job of it by, by saying, hey, we're really sorry. This is scary. Let, let us help you be more comfortable with coming back. Um, you know, now there's, if you get into that case study, they didn't own any of that data. So they had to give away a ton of free burritos to people who probably didn't. <laughs> but, but I still think like, I want to talk about someone who got in and said, Hey, our best PR in this moment is to, to not go out and make a bunch of excuses. It's to acknowledge what went wrong and then say, Hey, we really value you. So please come back on our behalf. I think that was a very, you know, um, a, a moment of, uh, a vulnerability for a brand that's very large, right? Deep pockets and such, but but still, I think that was an interesting concept and probably not something that a lot of brands had done up to that point. You know, I, I can't really think of it. And you can think of brands that do a bad job at like Delta. <laughs> you know, like think about how they've managed some, you know, I mean, so I, I think, uh, you know, we talked about this a couple episodes, anticipating those moments, right? Helps you be agile in those moments to really understand what your voice will be, what your actions will be and how you'll be understood by the public. Uh, cause that's, that's huge. That's a huge, huge thing. So, you know, Billy, I thought of one that I think is the, the best I've seen, uh, which is Sonos. So Sonos made this transition from kind of like an older technology stack to a newer technology stack where it was like, you know, different, different Wi-Fi capabilities, et cetera. Yeah. And then effectively what they did is they said, Hey, we're going to stop supporting all your old investment of Sonos peace out. And it was, you know, for people who have invested heavily, I mean, there are several thousand dollars of equipment into this old technology. And they're just like, yeah, those are basically, you know, paperweights. And the outrage was over the line. I mean, it was crazy because people have, you know, been using them for a decade. It's like, so suddenly I don't get to listen to music anymore and we're going to stop supporting streaming. And they just went nuts. And I mean, their their feed was full of unhappy people, uh, myself included, in full disclosure. I was like, well, you know, distributed music is not as hard a market to get into as it was before. I'll be fine, right? And um, the next day, you had a letter from the CEO owning it, just straight up owning it. Like, hey, look, we didn't do that right. Uh, we're going to continue to support these products for forever. They're, they're going to stream music. Um, you have my word. We're not going to like take them offline. Now we're going to try to incent you to go to the new stuff. So we'll give you some promos and stuff, but not, we're not going to shut them off on you. Um, and that's, that's our bad. We're sorry, loud and clear message received. And now I'm like, okay, well, I would still continue to buy their product. And I think almost everybody felt that way Mm -hmm. because it was like, they took the inputs from the people and made changes. So they were, they were agile. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the other on this final point here for, for at least me on this one, I think one of the most agile things I've seen is uh, going to the pandemic and seeing all these breweries and distilleries turn into pr- pr- um, makers of hand sanitizer, right? With their byproducts. <laughs> I think that was like a brilliant, if you think about the struggle there, like the doors are shutting, all these things are happening. Like, well, what can we do? Well, there's a shortage here. Let's go. I think that's really um, a pretty remarkable recent case study as well. So Absolutely. And those are going to be, you know, you're going to have your uh, collectible, your Heaven Hill collectible sanitizer down the road, almost for sure. Yeah. Oh, what year is that? How long was that sanitizer aged? <laughs> is it 
charred oak barrels. Uh, does it burn when you put it on like the nostrils as well? Yes, it does. I smell like tequila now and I'm sanitized. <laughs> What's the nose on that one? Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, all right. Number eight. Let's move on. Old truth. Your brand should stand behind great products. New truth. Your brand should stand behind great values. I, I struggle with this one if I'm totally honest. Yeah. It's uh, why do you struggle with it? I think you make it more about your, especially as a nonprofit, your impact and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I, I think that's right because you know at the end of the day, your product is the impact, right? Your product is is the cause um, and and the solution to the cause or or whatever it may be. So I, I think the value thing is interesting because what I believe I'm seeing, um, you're seeing like group valuing. You're, I don't know. There's probably a term for it, like group think on value and then everyone jumps in the same part of the pool and they're all swimming in it and they're like whoa 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 we need to go over there now because you know and and so you see this kind of shifting and i think the thing is if you're going to do that right if 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 you see a moment in time or something happens and you go yeah we're jumping on that train you better know right that that's part of who you are right your dna it's it it has to be a place where if it's not part of your DNA and you're doing it for, dare I say, PR, um, that's a slippery slope because people can see through that. There's a lot of other things that can, like you said, there's backlash that can truly happen out of that. So um, I think values are, are critical. I, I think universal values are a really interesting concept too, but just jumping in the value uh, conversation and, and changing who you are and your company's charter and your org's charter and all the things that you do just because there's some trends happening. Now, socially, there's some things that I believe need awareness and that's different, but, uh, uh, sure. yeah, it's, 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 I think product too, let's go back to product, right? Experience, product, outcome, those types of things. Those things are evergreen, right? People will believe in those. And I think you have to have your foundation there and values are kind of like, yeah. And right. It's like they do this and not because. It's the why, right? Like uh, the Simon Sinek, like I, I fully believe in the why. I just don't need to be lectured to by Nike who's using slave labor. I'm just like, screw you guys. You don't, don't, don't lecture me. Well, I <laughs> literally, you have forced labor making your shoes. I'm sorry. Like that's, I, I, I don't receive it versus another brand who I believe is actually trying, you know, is consistent right is consistent and as is able to stand up to the scrutiny um you know and there are brands that can stand up to the scrutiny and and i think you know they have a little bit more of an opportunity here there's there's brands that are building business models on their values that's a different thing yeah. right like that's that's right. different so as an example um there's a, a, a there's a fishery that you can buy shares into and they're out of Alaska. And so you can get your fish. You're actually sponsoring boats, right? You're sponsoring the livelihood of these fishermen and fisherwomen who are out doing their thing in Alaska. And, and you're, you're, and it's, and they're doing it responsibly. Like they're catching up the you know, line and pole. They're doing those types of things. But that company was built on that value, not the other way around. We built this company and then we're all of a sudden going to act like this is our value. And I think that's different because I can get behind that. And I can tell everybody about that, right? I can go spend the extra money on that product because that is part of their product. That's different. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. There are, you can, I don't think values are like inconsequential to business or that you shouldn't have a stance or you shouldn't have it. But I do think that it is not a substitute for like a consumer focused or a constituent focused strategy. In other words, like I think a lot of the, maybe this is what I should have said from the start. <laughs> Just rewind, pretend Skip all of everything I said before. Here's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> what I think is it, people are using values uh, values and virtue as a substitute for actual care about their constituents. Um, where it's like, if I can talk about myself and me and my values and my virtue so much, it doesn't even matter anything about you. And I think as a nonprofit, you got to be really, really careful when you keep making yourself and your pious you know, knowledge, uh, of, of, of your virtue and blah, blah, blah. This, the hero of the story. I think it's your constituents who are the hero of the story and they need to understand your values for sure. But your values are not what's important. It's the constituent who's getting involved in the story of significance. That's important. That's well said. That's really well said. I mean, I don't think we can put a better punctuation uh, point on that truth, that truth. We can move on to nine. I, I, that's how I feel about it. So you rewound. Yeah, let's you, do it. You rewound and moved us forward at the same time, which was awesome. <laughs> Just like Back to the Future, whatever <laughs> that means. Um, all right, number nine is is my favorite. It's my favorite of the ten. Number nine, old truth. You need the right tech stack to drive modern marketing success. New truth. You need the right balance of factors, including your tech stack, to drive modern marketing success. Billy, I mean. I've never seen anyone buy technology and then not maximize its usage. Have you? Never no. happened. No, that's what? That's a thing? That's that. First of all, that's crazy talk, right? That's crazy. Maybe we've gone too long in the episode because now we've lost our minds. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have, you, have you seen that slide with every marketing product on it? It's like, it's like ants on a, on a mountaintop, right? It's just bazillions of tech pieces in this gigantic tech puzzle. And, uh, and I would, you know, you and I have talked at length about starting with strategy inputs and outcomes and how the technology is kind of a facilitator to get you from current problem states to future eventual goals. And the technology needs to facilitate that, but it itself isn't the, the way you get there. It's just the vehicle you use to get there. And there's like a human and strategy component the reason I love this so much is because I think you start with the strategy, you start with what you need to do and where you need to go, and then that helps you inform what technology you should use to get there. And what we see is that it's a lot harder to sell strategy, and so everyone goes and buys tech. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that out there? Uh, most every single day, except maybe one day on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it is that is the approach. That is absolutely approach. And truth, you know, truth be told, here, um, technology companies like to think that they can solve all the problems, right? How many times have you heard like we are the complete insert? Like we do all, and you're like, ah, no. If you would just say we do the most meaningful piece of this, that actually helps me a bit a little bit better. So. Um, you know, that's the way technology sold and bought and has been for many, many years that it does all the things.
That's right. And every, every feature you could dream of, but actually, you know what I've not seen and I'm sure they exist, but I've not run across them is, uh, an RFP for strategy consulting. And I actually would think that to me is like picking your, who's going to help you write your strategy. If you don't have the in-house skills, I would actually, you know, in, in the, in the world of coffee, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you have espresso machine and grinders and the new to coffee person thinks they need an expensive espresso machine, but the veteran of coffee knows they need a nice grinder. Um, like a decent machine and a great grinder is going to do better than a great machine and an okay grinder every time. Right. So like, this is the same thing. This is the, the grinder is the strategy and it's not the sexiest part. But people who really know what they're doing are like, you spend your time and energy on the grinder, get the strategy right. And then the espresso machine is a technology that you'll get to be good at that. And as long as you have consistent strategy going in and you have basic competency in the espresso machine, you can make great espresso. But if you have a great machine and no grinder, it's going to be garbage the whole entire time. I'll see your coffee analogy here and I'll not raise you, but I'll just join you. Same thing with fly fishing. Right. You can buy a, and now look, I, there's no doubt that good gear equals, you know, a little bit better experience, but truth be told, I've got a couple of, I have a spectrum of tools in my quiver, if you will. One end is, is a purchase that I don't even want to talk about, but it's a really great ride. <laughs> On the other end is my first <laughs> thing that I bought to get me into the sport. You know what? I can throw both of them just as good and they both catch the same type of fish. And the reason why is because it's all in the technique. It's all about understanding the water, the conditions, the hatch, what you're fishing for, the depth, the, the clouds, the temperature, all those things that actually more time and understanding right, and, and having some developing technique. And then the tools help you to maybe, like you said, that's the delivery mechanism. That's the thing I use to pull it in. Um, cause I don't noodle. I use a rod, you know, although I do have a Southern accent, I don't noodle. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that's very, very well said. Um, and all those things, right. Um, great tools, but technique and understanding are well more valued and they take a lot more time um, to get to, to do that thing. So even with the best rod in the world and going back to this analogy, if I don't have the technique, I don't have the expertise and I don't have the, I haven't studied, I can't throw it. It doesn't matter. It, do, it won't matter. And I won't catch fish until I learn those other things, man. I got excited. I just want to go fishing now. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> now. Yeah. I want to go drink some espresso. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's one of the things that if I, um, you know, if we, get one thing right on this podcast. Like the meta theme for this podcast is line up your strategy first, build your strategy, know where you're going, get that so solid. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, definitely use great tech to help you get there to automate, to facilitate, to deliver, like, of course, do all of that stuff. We're not saying don't use it, but at the end of the day, like strategy, first is key and technology comes after. I feel like after that, uh, yes. And I feel like after us talking about that, we both have our, our, our the next like 20 years of, of our lives planned out, right? Here, here's how it's going to be, right? You, and as, as you've entered this decade of simplification and, and impact, you're going to write a book on how coffee is like marketing. 
Now I'm going to write a book mm. around how fly fishing is like marketing. And that will work out really well with my gray hair and, and all the things. And I can be like, yes, I'm an author. That's what I did in my, in my late fifties. Right. As I, as I, as I look towards retirement. <laughs> I'll, I'll have my book out and, and they'll be like, how many books did you sell? I'll be like, I, well, I bought a hundred. Um, <laughs> and so let me add them all up. That would make it a hundred and two. Uh, <laughs> Count me in for one. So hopefully I'm either in that two or yeah. I'm a hundred and three. Right. right. No, I did. I did. That was, it was just the other one was, we, you know, it was like my mom, um, uh, be like, good job, sweetie. I'm proud of you. A lot of typos. Um, no, she wouldn't say that. She's very nice. But, um, <laughs> should we, uh, should we put a bow on this one, Billy? Number 10. Let's do it. All right. Old truth. Marketing is important for growth. New truth. Marketing is at the center of the growth agenda for the full C-suite. I mean, this, this is that they just needed a number 10, right? I mean, this is, this is fluff to me. Um, right. Like what, what, how, how are you defining marketing? Any interaction or purchase or out, like, okay. Yeah. You gotta be customer focused. Number 10. Yeah. To me, it's like not the one. Yeah. And I, I struggle with the word growth right now, just given the, 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 the world in which we live in. And I would, I would argue that marketing is, is should be at the center of efficiency rather than growth. Mm. I mean, I, we could, we could wax all day on that one. Um, but isn't marketing, um, hasn't always been important for growth. I don't know. I mean, that just feels like, will it always be continue? uh, Will it always be critical for growth? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, I agree with you. I felt like number 10. Yeah. Throw that in. We, we did the 10. We did the 10. We had adult, we had a yeah. moment at six and we did the 10. <laughs> I, I feel like they're, what they're trying to say is the CMO is like, has an equal foot at the table with uh, every other C-level officer. But I don't think that that has anything to do with the pandemic. I felt like that existed pre-pandemic. I actually feel like what forced that was kind of the massive advent of digital and okay, digital has been accelerated, but you know, once you realize that it wasn't just branding, but you needed to have like in-depth digital campaigns and in-depth measurement strategy, I feel like maybe there was some acceleration with the pandemic, but realistically that was true well before the pandemic in my world. I agree. So I don't even know if we have to talk about this one anymore unless we just want to just put words, words. So top nine words, just a top nine. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. Well, great. Uh, You know, Billy, we're like 40 minutes in kind of a crisp episode, but I feel like we got, we got through it. Uh, And uh, you know, like we said before, um, we definitely have a strong uh, desire to, think about these strategies and these goals for nonprofits and, and think about, you know, what this means for them in these new moments. And, uh, we're, we're eager to help answer any questions. And, you know, I think in an upcoming episode, Billy, I was thinking about, um, co-building a strategy during the episode, like for a new nonprofit who's just launching marketing, where would you focus? What would you do? It'd be kind of a fun thing to talk through. What do you think about that? Let's, let's do that. Um, and then, um, I want to get into, gosh, what or is, is blockchain a thing that we should ever talk about with nonprofits? I don't know. I just, I, I, maybe that would be a fun conversation. I think it'd be fun to do an episode about just ask people what blockchain is and just see if they can describe it. 
Um, you know, like and NFTs, cause you're seeing those things happen. So it would just be a fun episode to be like, what are all the things that we don't know? Let's see what, if you know, and let's see if we know that could also be just a really kind of fun off the beaten path type of episode. But I love the idea of building a strategy, co-creating a strategy with uh, a nonprofit on a recording. That would be super fun. We'll do it. That's great. And I love uh, the non-fungus t- toenails or, uh, well, I forget what NFT is again, but uh <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird Perfect. man it's weird stuff i mean it's only going to get weirder and if we're going to do this podcast we got to go talk about some weird stuff too so let's let's, let's do that <laughs> it's going to get weird and i think that's okay <laughs> awesome well thank you billy for your expertise as always appreciate it and thank you very much for listening to the mission critical podcast take care everybody listening to yet another episode of the mission critical podcast remember this podcast is here to help you if there's something you'd like us to cover reach out connect with us online at listen to tmcp.com or follow us at listen to tmcp on your favorite social media channel